Welcome to the Athletes Record, where athletes share an honest account of their sporting life, the things that matter most to them, and their hopes for the future. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Focus Ireland's Shine a Light Night, proudly supported by Borgosh Energy. To find out how you can take part on the 15th of October and help people experiencing homelessness, visit focusireland.ie. In this episode, we hear from Jamie Heaslip. Jamie is among Ireland's most decorated rugby players, who earned 100 caps for Ireland and the Lions and made 229 appearances for Leinster. Jamie explains how a sudden injury in a warm-up drill eventually forced him into an early retirement from professional rugby in 2017. See, in a really weird way, I had to, I had to adapt, you know? So, like, if you rewind to... I got injured in 2017. About what, two, three, four weeks before that, I re-sign a, a contract that brings me up to September 2020. Um, so I think in February, 2017, oh, got another, like it was essentially like a two and a half year extension to my contract. Um, and then in my own head, I was like, oh, after that, then I'll, I might go do like a year in France or like do six months in, uh, Japan or, you know, I was going to do something for a year or two. Uh, not playing in Ireland essentially after that that's that's kind of what I I planned in my head right but then that all gets literally like that all gets turned on the head and and like I kind of saw the writing on the wall like you know you you, you come you have the second op you're trying to avoid that second op and you have it puts you on the back foot you're trying to come back from like you, you can see your it's kind of two step forward one step back um and, and and things that aren't progressing speed and then you can't do things that you that you're that you're used to and you know there's a problem. You know, you can't literally can't do your job. Um and you kinda of go into the surgeon's office and, and it's like a scene out of a movie, right? You know, you have this awkward chat with you your know, surgeons some surgeons sometimes aren't exactly the best at chit chat. Um so yeah you, you, you have this moment, you're chatting away to them, the nurse kinda of leaves the room the door closes, you know, and it's like you, you, it's like this slow motion door closing and you think, oh, yes, here comes the montage. Here comes the Rocky moment. Like I'm waiting for the music to start playing. And instead I get like this deathly silence. And it's like, Jamie, you're done. You know, delivered like a surgeon with absolute <laughs> ruthless accuracy. Um, and, you know, you had this moment of going from like, I used to, used to slag and kind of call myself Wolverine because I wasn't getting injured or if I did, I recovered quick and all this sort of stuff. And all of a sudden I missed her glass, you know? Um, and, and I think, you know, the irony of it all is that like a, a bloody tackle bag is the, essentially the thing that takes me out of it. You know what I mean? Now, Granted, the, the 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 exercise that we're doing is 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 pretty intense. Um, you're warming up for an international, so you're it has to be. You're getting to that kind of frame of mind, but like, doesn't happen in a game, you know. And you always think you go out in your sword, I suppose, or go out, you know, go out in your shield kind of thing, because I, I had planned a very different 
like what are we in now end of 2021 i was planning to kind of retire be close to retirement around now you know or in another six months um how different that is um it's not what i expected um and so i had to adapt a lot of things you know in the space of nine months essentially like from when I retired, what, February, March 20, uh, 2018, in space about nine months, you know, I've, uh, like, I've made a human as well. So, you know, they say you, the three most stressful things you can do in your life are, are change career, move house, and have a child. I d- literally did those in the space of six months. Um, so it was literally March 2018, whatever, by... December 20, 2018, I was working in Google, a dad, and had uh, moved house, moved into our home. Um, so it was, a, it was just a mad time. And, and it didn't really take me, and it took me a while to really understand, maybe 12, 18 months, about the change and how it affects you. And, but I always tried to make sure that my whole identity wasn't wrapped up in um, rugby, as such and it wasn't rugby wasn't me or I wasn't rugby as such and I'm kind of glad to a certain degree that I tried my best to do that now obviously it was intertwined but and it still became very very difficult to separate isolate the two um because you had been that person since like you're you're uh, you're on the ID train like you know you're you're on the different teams from about age of 14 15 and that's just the path that you go for like literally 20 years. That's who you are and that's what you do. And now all of a sudden it's not, um, you know, and, and so that whole, like, who are you piece? Um, and becomes, you get a bit lost in, and then like, like, who are you? And then what do you, do, what do you do? Like, what's your drive? Um, what are you trying to achieve? So you have that kind of thread, you know, so kind of like your purpose and your mission and then, like, I suppose, like, what's what's now important to you as well through through those three transitions? It's not just the career transition, um, you know. So it took me a while to kind of grab a hold of them. And I actually, the way I got through it was take a lot of learnings from from sport and um, and come through that way and use a lot of learnings from that. He's like summons in support. He's up now towards the line, over the line and down. The try is there. Another try for Ireland, half a dozen. And he's up again. Gets over the line. Retirement from professional sport is challenging for many athletes. Jamie explains how he drew on some of his performance mindset to work through the difficult transition to building a new life beyond the sport. Even when you start out in your rugby career, you, you quickly go, you know, you, you go from like, I remember your initial goals, like make this team, make that team, uh, win this, win that. And I was very lucky that a lot of that happened very early. So then you go, okay, what's like, actually, that's all pretty transient. You know, what's actually the legacy piece here? And um, like, who do you want to be? Like, what, like, when it's all said and done, what, what do you want to be said or what do you want to be written? And for me, it became about leaving the jersey in a better place. So when you, whenever it was that you did finish that, whoever has, whoever gets the chance to wear that jersey again, you know, it's in a better place. Um, 
And so that's what you try to do. And then I actually kind of brought that theme through for me post rugby. Once I kind of, kind of, you know, once I kind of got my bearings, it was like, okay, what, what is it I want to do here? You know, what, what do I actually want to do? And, and your focus, my focus kind of came a bit different because obviously now I had family and it was kind of providing like a platform, I suppose, or, um, for like my, my daughter to thrive, you know what I mean? So, so how do I create, how do I create, that's what the drive is, you know, how do I create that or anything I'm involved in is like, how do I leave it in a better place than, than, than now, you know, be it the industry that something's operating in or the offering that you have or whatever. Um, and that kind of gave me a sense of clarity, but I still had to find out, like you had to find the things that gave you confidence. So going from a world where I'm, I'm, you know, you're, you're, you're top of the food chain, you know, in terms of like the, the players, right. And you're playing for Ireland, you're playing for the Lions, all that sort of stuff. You're like an expert in your, you're, you know, a product expert, a subject expert, you know, an expert in your field to going to, oh, I'm like starting at the bottom of the run, the ladder here. Um, it gets you, you get a bit, a little bit lost. So you have to kind of figure out what are the rituals, what are the ways, what are the things that can give me, can give me confidence? What can we, what can I control? You know, so you started using this thing of controlling the controllables to be comfortable in chaos. So because everything, just like, a, I just start pulling things from rugby because rugby feels a great analogy that like life, you can have a game plan, you can, um, you know, up, uh, spot the opportunities, spots the threats, the weaknesses, all that. Put the work in, um. But sometimes you just gotta adapt to the weather, to guys having a bad day, to you know bad referee calls. Because because life can be pretty unfair. It's it's having kind of I suppose the guidelines, be it, you know your values or your own personal kind of priorities in life of what you want to focus on, and then. W- what are the lanes for you to operate within that? Um, they became, because I did that a lot in rugby, um, they became ha- the ways and means of how I got through, particularly routines, like like morning routines and stuff like that, because you felt like then you had a sense of control in, 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 in the day to a certain degree. Um, but still, still wasn't easy. And, and, and still, when you can't do what you were so good at for so long, to have to reinvent yourself and start at the bottom to run the ladder, you know, that ego gets a, gets a serious check and you, and you have to decide, you know, how you're going to do it. You know, are you that guy who can go work for a company or, or do you have to be that guy that goes and invents his own thing? If you're going to invent your own thing, okay, that, then you have capital, you got risk, you got all sorts of different things that come to that. So, um, yeah, a lot of different kind of, things came into mind and I can, I can relate to people over the last 12 months of not getting to do what they always did. And um, even some of the rugby talking to some of the rugby guys, they were like, it became a grind because there was no one at the grounds. There was no, they weren't interacting with anyone outside their bubbles. They weren't even really interacting with their whole squad within the bubbles. Um, and, and for some of them, it became a particular uh, challenge and grind. Despite the pressures of playing at the top level, Jamie talks about keeping perspective and enjoying his rugby right until the end, having seized the opportunity to live out his childhood dream of playing for Ireland. If you put it in context, it's a game, right? And yeah, there might be a couple of million people watching, tens of thousands maybe at the game watching it, but like, 
it's a game, you know. Um, you get like if you ever lost sight of things, you're like you're getting paid to play rugby, like you know. <laughs> They're gonna cop on sooner or later, lads. Don't tell them. You know what I mean? But but like so there was that part of it. So that was kind of the boy in me, and it was kinda of like, you know I'm playing rugby, you've been doing this since you were like six, seven years old, you know? Um for, for, and in terms of outside opinion, like I you know, I got passed up on loads of teams when I was early, you know for being not strong enough, not big enough, not this, not that. So I didn't particularly care what people ever said about me, you know. Um, it came back to, like, what can you actually control? You can control the input. So you can control the I can't control the game. I can't control the outcome of the game. So I, I, I focused, that, like, obviously we're playing to win. You know, you don't want to lose, but, like, you know, you can't really control that. And there's so many factors that go into the outcome of the game that you fo- if you keep focusing on your routine, your preparation, that you more than likely over the long run get hopefully get the return that you deserve. So I, I focused a lot on the inputs so that I knew of the games on Saturday, that Thursday I'm pretty much boxed off. I'm good, like I'm good to go, you know? And then you kind of get into your routine that you know, you've done for a long time, you know, from about 36, 48 hours out, you just know the rhythm of how it's going to go. And it just builds up as a crescendo really, really nicely. And, and you just get out there and, and do your, do your thing. Because I, I, I always felt like, like in the heat of the battle, you don't have time to think you're, you're reacting quite a lot, but that reaction, those, um, pathways can be grooved out through repetition and, and seeing the pictures in multiple situations in the days, the weeks, the months beforehand. So that's why, you know, I invested in the prep quite a bit and then just let it out and enjoy yourself, you know, and, and sometimes you enjoy yourself more than like, like in more games than others. And, um, but you need these challenges in life to learn, to adapt, to grow and all those good things. But yeah, I, I honestly, I enjoy like I like I would I've sat in change rooms with lads or not in change rooms. Remember, like four hours out, there'd be guys who like be struggling to eat that day. I'd be like, Pfft. yeah, I'd be I'd be fine, you know. And I was pretty relaxed, like you know. I I I rarely, if ever, stayed in the Shelburne Hotel, for example. I stayed at home. Um, people were like, oh, I can't be handling the stress of getting in and da da. I was like. You know, I, I was a 10 minute drive away. I was like, I'll be all right. Like, <laughs> um, it just to kind of come home and chill out at home. You know, I, I kind of put things in place that even reinforced being in surroundings that you're more used to and more comfortable to. Now it's a perk, obviously, because I lived in Dublin and, um, and that. And then actually when, when we, we played away, I roomed with, with church and, been with church my entire career and um, so we were very very comfortable around each other as well so um these are all the things kind of fed into things that gave you confidence it's like familiarity gives you confidence familiarity gives you comfort when you don't know a scenario or, or the outcome it that's when it can get a little bit uncomfortable for you as well but again you can kind of almost um get used to that through repetition as well um 
I, lo- I loved it. I loved it. So I, I, I enjoyed it immensely. And, and yeah, I just put the tunes on and I just, yeah, I, you, it's why you play it. It's why I remember distinctly remember running around my house pretending to be Simon Gagan and and I'm one of the lucky ones where that dream came true so why wouldn't I be enjoying it towards the end of his career Jamie took an active role in Rugby Players Ireland calling for greater employment protections for players. And he believes rugby has a lot more to learn from organizations like the NFL and NBA. As a, as a group, you're caught between a rock and a hard place, right? Because um, where's the funding coming from for these different groups? A lot of it comes from the unions. So they are kind of in a, a tough spot in terms of trying to criticize their main source of income or main source of funding. Like contractually as a player, you're quite restricted in what you can say. Um, it's, the contract is vague enough in terms of um, bringing the game to this repute is fairly, like, you know, is, is fairly um, broad and purposely gray, probably, you could argue. Um, but, but, this is, I mean, a lot of the problems with the game are the fa- are really at the core of it is because it's 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 an old game that is only recently professional. Um, so it's what twenty five years now professional, I think. Is it? Yeah, about twenty five years now. I think ninety six, ninety seven is when I went pro. So that's still an actual fairly young time. Uh, social media, for example, is only around really ten years. Let's call it, um, which really reframed the capability of cutting out any kind of third-party brokers going like directly to the uh, consumer or directly to the fan in terms of interaction engagement with the with the athlete um but where it, it always struck me that where it suited them they treated it like a business and where it didn't it was like oh come on just do it the way like just do it the way because that's always the way we've done it um and that I didn't like that because I felt like, okay, you can be very businesslike on one hand, but actually on the other side here, you, um, you're not being businesslike at all. You're like, and I used to try and say to people, well, okay, go into your workplace. Okay. Let's say you have an injury, some medical condition, whatever it is, you can tell your manager, but they are, you're not even obliged to tell your manager or your employer actually to that fact, depending on what it is, of what your medical history information is. Okay, that's between you and the doctor. Um, And I just felt like that information was being thrown around way too easily. And the fact that on the other side, the reason I was seeing this, and and, I'm sorry, this has been reinforced for me over the last couple of years with my own injury and insurance um, is that you're seeing players now, insurance companies coming back and saying, we're not going to cover you for X, Y, and Z because of what was said or insinuated uh, in the media around your condition or injury. Um, and so you start getting, it, it opens, it, for me, it was just opening up Pandora's box. 
you know, um, you're controlling some one hand what we can say, but then you're passing out our medical information that actually if you're an employer, you wouldn't technically be allowed to do that. You know what I mean? And that's why I decided to draw the sand and uh, draw a line in the sand around it. Got questioned about why I was being awkward around it. Um, but I still stand by my reasoning behind it that, I mean, any of the journalists from the, like, from take whatever, I read the Irish Times. This is not direct at the Irish Times, but it, I read the Irish Times. If any of their journalists had any sort of medical condition, would they like their Irish Times to be reporting that in the national newspaper? I don't think so. Um, even if they did, they have the right where it's not. And that's probably what I was coming back to. The fact that, that we, the question was never asked. And, and therein lies that that was the problem to me. The top 1% maybe don't have to work a formal job when they finish. Everyone else will have to work in some shape or fashion. Which is, sorry, I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. I'm just giving you context. People think you're on soccer player money. You're not. And the majority of players are on enough that will, if they're smart with it, might help them set them up. But they'll have to get going pretty quickly. Um, and I think that's, that's the fall. And, and look... Again, it just comes back to the sport is young when it comes to profession. It's come to how it approaches commercial deals. It's come to how it approaches access to players, uh, how it views itself. Like I would view it very much now as an entertainment product now. And, but then you might have purists in the sport who would be like, no, we have to limit access. We can't give people behind the scene footage. Uh, you know, then I go and I look at the NFL, which I'm a big fan of, and they've done an unbelievable job of monetizing that and accessing it. And, how their players' union is actually really, really strong in terms of what they can and what they uh, enforce, I suppose. Um, and these are the learnings then, the places we should look to bring those lessons and evolve them and adapt them um, so we can move forward as a sport as well. As he builds a new career in the technology sector, Jamie reflects on the key lessons he learned from rugby and how relevant they are to the next stage of his life. It's a weird paradigm. You're in this world where you have to be committed 100%. And actually, in fairness, everyone around you is committed to that as well. So everyone gears towards facilitating you doing your best on the Saturday. Family, everyone around you, right? Um, so everyone's heavily invested. But the paradigm there is that it will finish. And you can get lost, you can get swept up in that fact that it won't finish, that you think it'll go on forever, but it won't. So you have to almost, it won't facilitate you preparing. You have to go and try and prepare for life after rugby. Um, but one of the biggest things was like, like talent is nothing without discipline. So like there's, there's just, like, I mean, I saw so many talented players, so many talented back rows coming through. But once it got hard for them, once it got, there was a the first time they came up against a proper challenge, they, they didn't have the mindset or the follow through. Because um, there was loads of guys who were definitely more athletically gift, gifted than me. Um, but when they had a challenge and it got hard, it was the first time, because you got to understand for a lot of these guys, they're coming to A grade rugby and they're usually the man at that age or, or you know they're the, they're the guy they're their go-to person in that sport or that 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 age level but once you come out of under 20s you know you've got people from like 
basically 18, 19, 20, 21, all the way to like 35, 36, 37, and older even, playing. Everyone's good. Everyone's talented. You know, everyone's pretty big or whatever, you know, comparatively speaking. You know, now it's about like, so what are you going to do? You know what I mean? You're going to get punched in the face a few times. What are you going to do? You know, are you going to be able to tell the difference when you got to take, take the lick or know when to give back? Um, and so it's that kind of mental fortitude. And it comes back, it, it comes right back to what we talked about at the start, which is like knowing what it is you want to do. Okay, really know what it is you want to do and know what it takes and know what your values are and, and guidelines to kind of steer your way towards that. And there might be detours that you take along the way, but that end goal, and do you have the drive to get there? And that's going to be tested. Some guys, some guys fell short, some guys, and, and the unfortunate thing is there was guys that didn't fall short, but just sometimes you need a bit of luck. And that comes back to like, I remember saying, <laughs> maybe it was lucky because we lost a whole lot of rugby when I played in Newbridge College. But there's a guy called Gary Rowan uh, who remember, he remember, I think we got beaten in a quarterfinal or semifinal or something for Newbridge. I was like playing for the seniors. I was 15. And I'm sitting there. We're in the, the Bechtiv, the old Bechtiv end of, of Donnybrook in the change rooms there. And everyone's a bit down and whatever. And he looks over at me and I'm kind of happy out content enough and he's like I, I fucking love that about you Shane and I was like what I was like shit he's going to give out to me just up there because I'm not like down in the dumps and he goes you know you did everything you could it didn't go your way but you're happy with like the fact that you know you did everything you could so that's kind of where you I want to get to like, knowing that I know I can't control what's going to happen in the output but like I can control what I do in the input and once I do that, I'm happy and content. And yeah, sometimes it'll go my way, sometimes it won't. But hopefully, over a long run, it will go more my way than not. Um, yeah, that's kind of the biggest lesson. This podcast was brought to you in partnership with Focus Ireland's Shine a Light Night, proudly supported by Borgosh Energy. It will take place on Friday the 15th of October 2021. Everyone will come together virtually from their sleep out location to raise vital funds and stand in solidarity with people experiencing homelessness. To find out how you can support or take part, please visit focusireland.ie. This episode of The Athlete's Record was edited by Charlotte Reed and produced by James Wynn and Richie Kelly of Record Media. Look out for the next episode of The Athlete's Record or subscribe now on your preferred podcast platform.